Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. What's up? Welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It is Thursday, June 2nd, our first June Thursday episode of this season. Michael Beller, Al Melchior here with you. Al, we've got another great beat writer episode queued up here. Bunch of uh, athletic MLB beat writing talent joining us to give us some on-the-ground knowledge on their team. So looking forward to that. How are you doing, my friend? Doing very good. Looking forward to soaking up all the knowledge today. Yeah, well, a lot of it coming our way. Cubs, Red Sox, and Royals are the teams that we are going to be discussing on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. So let's dive right in. Let's start. Come on, Al. You know where we got to start. If we're going to have the Cubs on the show, and I only get to be on the show once a week nowadays with my football duties taking over. So if we're going to do the Cubs on a show that I'm on, we got to start with the Chicago Cubs, the team that is still near and dear to my heart after all these years. Sadev Sharma, one of our two beat writers covering the Cubs at The Athletic, joining us. Sadev, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you know, uh, not a good team this season, but the, an interesting <laughs> fantasy team, certainly. There's still some uh, good fantasy topics to discuss, and right at the top is Christopher Morell, a guy who uh, has been up with the team for uh, about a month now, maybe a little bit less, and getting on base a ton, stealing a ton of bases, already six steals. That is something that we prize very highly in the fantasy world. Uh, two parts on Christopher Morell. Number one, I'm sure we look at him as basically a fixture of this Cubs lineup going forward. And secondly, is that green light going to be staying on for him? Yeah, first off, I think he's a fixture. David Ross seems to love him. Uh, Ross loves his energy. He loves him at the top of the lineup. He gets to stick him in center field where he doesn't really have someone where he can really trust, especially defensively. Uh, and, and he can also move him all over the place. Uh, I mean, fantasy owners know that he can play pretty much every position. So uh, Ross takes advantage of that. Right now he's got guys that he wants to play at most of those infield spots, but uh, Morell has a spot in center. So he's going to be playing. Uh, is that green light on? I think it is for the, it, just for the mere fact that this team doesn't have a lot of power bats. So, David Ross plays to win. He wants to win games. I know everyone else looks at this Cubs team and says they're playing for a draft pick. They're playing for the trade deadline, whatever it is. Uh, they they want to win games, and the way best way they see to score some runs is to be aggressive on the base pass. That's not always going to mean just steals, but it has lately. They've been stealing a lot. I think I saw a, a stat recently that they it's 13 straight games mm -hmm. with multiple steals. Uh, in a game that first time in like a decade that that's happened. And to think that it's happening with this Cubs team is very odd, but also they have some more speed than they have in, in the past. It's just an element that David Ross likes uh, and hasn't had. But when, when he knows his offense is struggling, that's one of the few trends we can pick up over the past three years with Ross is 
when when the team starts to struggle, he gets aggressive on the base paths. Like I said, not always steals, but in this particular moment, I believe it. I mean, it is manifesting in steals, and I think that'll continue as much as he can because he just he has to produce runs somehow. Yeah, well, we'll definitely be uh, riding that wave. Uh, those of us who already have morale, and he's still really much more available than I would have expected given all those steals and everything else he's doing. So uh, he'll definitely get a mention in the waiver column this weekend. Uh, but to uh, turn it over to the pitching side of things, Marcus Stroman's bit really been a rock in that rotation. And when you look at the surface level, like the top level numbers for Stroman, it looks like he's just having a Marcus Stroman season. That is until you get to the ground ball rate. And I was trying to figure out what's going on with that. Uh, the sinker, he is locating that more in the center of the zone. That strikes me as something maybe I should be concerned about. Is anybody, as far as you know, within the Cubs organization concerned about that pattern for Stroman? Or we should just you know go ahead and, and ride that wave as well and, and expect a consistent performance from him? Well, what what's also happening, and I'm not sure, I need to double check this on the numbers. If it's picking up, I know it's true as far as what the Cubs data says. Uh, he's throwing his four seam more, which is going to mean more uh, or fewer ground balls, right? If he's locating properly, if he starts to trust that pitch more, uh, he that that's something that the Cubs identified early on with him and kind of pitched to him. Hey, we think your fast four seam fastball can work. Uh, so I, I don't know if I would say that uh, over the long haul, the ground ball rate is going to stay is going to dip. But he also, it took a little while for him to find his rhythm. So I'd, I'd, I'd look at the trends with him as far as ground ball rate. Uh, and, and just in general, he's significantly better. He just looks significantly better. I know he missed some time with COVID. Uh, but he, those first few starts, he just couldn't locate pitches. And if, if Marcus Stroman's not locating pitcher, pitches, then he's not a valuable pitcher, right? He's not some guy that can get away with nasty stuff. His stuff is pretty good. I mean, obviously, but it's not the type that just blows you away. Uh, so I, I think he's about to get into a really, you know, Marcus Stroman like run here where it's just like super consistent. You know what you're going to get six, seven innings. Uh, he's going to be the Cubs rock of this rotation as long as he's healthy, um, which has been a little bit of a concern at times uh, with him. There were there were some little issues, but now he, he's 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 kind of on a roll and I think they're just going to rely on him. I, I wouldn't have concerns. Uh, as far as the, specifically the ground ball rate, just because I think they are u having him use his pitches slightly differently than he had in the past. And that's something the Cubs love to do. They, they love to like identify one tiny little thing that someone, hey, maybe you can do this. And if the pitcher is into it, which Marcus Stroman is always willing to try different things, he's, he's, he's very smart and very willing to do stuff as long as the data backs it up, as, as long as there's a good explanation. And, and that's something the Cubs love to do with their, even veterans. I mean, go look at their bullpen it's it's up and down uh across that that team where they'll they'll push veterans to try different things and it usually leads to success it's something that uh they can point to even when they're losing that hey this is working out side i have one of the big wins for the cubs over the first third of the season has been the performance of keegan thompson whether it's been as a reliever as a starter he has answered the bell for this team and done you know as much and probably even a little bit more than what they realistically hoped from him. He's going to get his fourth start of the season later today, today being Thursday, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, against the Cardinals long-term for this season, at least long-term meaning the rest of 2022. You think he sticks in the rotation? Does he end up going back to the bullpen? Is he going to bounce back and forth? What do you think the role is for Keegan the rest of the way? Right, with Wade Miley and Drew Smiley on the shelf and we don't really have good 
timelines on that. He's in the rotation for the foreseeable future, which I don't know what that means. I don't. We still don't know how long Smiley's out, and that's the the bigger question I think. With that, I think it's a, an oblique. Uh, so until we get kind of solidified with how long those guys are out, uh, obviously uh, the Cubs want them those two in the rotation because they're big trade pieces, right? They they can, you know, they're not monster trade pieces like Wilson Contreras, but it, the Cubs have had some success with smaller moves like that. So they want at some point he'll be knocked back into the bullpen, I believe. Uh, depending on health uh, across the board and effectiveness from, you know, if he continues to perform and Justin Steele is okay, then maybe Justin Steele gets bumped to the bullpen and Keegan keeps that spot. But I will say this, there's, it's, he has a spot right now for the foreseeable futures uh, because of the health with the with the (laughs) rotation. And then it, it also depends on the trade deadline, of course. So if those guys are moved post trade deadline, he almost certainly has a spot in the rotation. Well, looking at the the even bigger picture here in terms of post-trade deadline, I would think it's safe to assume that David Robertson will get dealt. So is that a safe assumption? And if so, who do you see as a closer in waiting in this bullpen? Yeah, that's a great question. Closer in waiting. I mean, Robertson's almost certainly dealt, right? Unless there's some crazy Cubs run coming here. That's exactly those uh, closers are very valuable at the deadline. Uh, Jed Hoyer isn't going to sit on his hands. That's not he's he showed us last year and he flat out said it. You don't you know, you don't waste those opportunities. There's no point in going uh, half in. So he's as long as Robertson's healthy, he's going to be moved at the deadline. Uh, You know that I I do wonder who they can. I mean, Rowan Wick is the most logical choice. I, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, Robertson was out for a bit and Wick got the saves. Rowan Wick is is probably who David Ross would trust the most. He's he's worked those high leverage uh roles since 2019, I believe, uh with in, in Madden's last year. So they they know he can do that. He's always been part of the high leverage group since he kind of emerged that year. Uh I think he's the logical choice. Uh outside chance that Scott Efros uh gets some save opportunities, but I think Scott Efros is just so good as like this guy that can do almost anything for David Ross. He can come in in the fifth inning with two men on and two outs and just get an out. He can come in in the seventh inning, high leverage spot, whatever it is. So so D- D- Ross likes guys like that where he can kind of put wherever, but he also likes to have a a, a closer. And I, I think ultimately he may not name, he never named David Robertson as closer, right? He may not name, he may just say it's closer by committee. Uh, but that's, I think it makes sense that Rowan Wick will get the large uh, amount of save opportunities when that uh, time comes. Side if if, uh, if that uh, Cubs run that no one expects to come doesn't come, which is like 99% going to be the case, then this is going to be a very active selling team at the trade deadline. They do have a little bit of a roster crunch going on now, but there are going to be playing. There's going to be spots open. There are go, there's going to be playing time available for this team. Uh, you know, maybe even leading into the trade deadline, but certainly after the trade deadline. And they've done a decent job of building up that farm system over the last few years. So any prospect movers we should have our eye on in terms of 2022 second half of the season impact. Yeah. I mean, Caleb Killian's going to be up at some point. That's that has to happen. There's no reason for him not to be up. There's a chance that he'll be up this weekend. There's a double header and the Cubs need a pitcher. 
Uh, he makes all the sense in the world to get that start. The only question is, do they use up that 40-man roster spot, which I think is just overthinking it on their part. So he's there's a solid chance he starts this weekend. If not, it will be this season, and certainly post-deadline when, when they free up a few rotation spots. Uh, the other guy is, you know, Brennan Davis. He's not healthy right now. Uh, and when he was on the field, it, it wasn't it, it didn't look good. So but that was a lot because apparently that back was hurting him all the way back in the spring. So when he comes back in the se- if he's looking good, if he has a strong month or two and then they sell off at the deadline, I could see him being a second half guy that, you know, especially if you're in a keeper league, you're going to want to bring, <laughs> grab that guy and then keep him on your bench for a while too. Uh, because I mean, if, if he performs enough and shows that that first month was just the back, then, then of course, you know, he's a top 20 prospect. I know he he's probably dropped down because of that back issue, but those are the two guys. I mean, Nelson Velasquez, I don't know if he's, you know, that's probably deep fantasy if you're looking for power, but this is a guy that when he, he's, he had a, a brief cup of coffee, when he's hot and locked in, he's going to hit for a ton of power. If you want to ride those peaks and valleys, I mean, this is a guy that will go off for a stretch of, couple weeks where it's just like every single time he's hitting the ball hard and hitting it far so that's that's probably more uh deeper fantasy but still that that's a guy that you know you can look at and say "Hmm, he's gonna give me some home runs if he's on a little bit of a tear maybe not the best real life team but still a team that has given us plenty to talk about in the fantasy baseball world it's Sadev Sharma covering the Chicago Cubs for us here at the Athletics. Sadev thanks again for being with us on the fantasy baseball pod of course thanks for having me guys take it easy Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Next up on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast, Beat Writer Edition is Jen McCaffrey and the Boston Red Sox. Jen, thanks for being with us on the Fantasy Baseball Pod. How are you? Sure thing, guys. Uh, let's jump right in here. Enrique Hernandez, Alex Verdugo, the performance just has not been there for either of these guys this season. Still getting plenty of consistent playing time. Uh, Enrique's up over 200 plate appearances and Verdugo just shy of 200 plate appearances, but these are two guys who are hitting respectively 203, 269, 340 and 235, 273, 352. Are either of them in danger of losing this regular playing time? Um, no, I mean, I think they've also kind of uh, recently kind of had some some good um, good plate appearances, good um, you know, hitting the hard ball hard, kind of exit velocity. Verdugo had a great night. Um, this past, uh, what was, what's today? Uh, yeah. So yeah, last night he had a pretty good night at the plate. Um, so yeah, there's been blips. The offense is obviously, um, in the beginning of the season underperformed, but 
those guys are starters and they're not moving away from either of them. They're kind of just going to work through things. And they've continually talked about Verdugo, you know, being one of those guys that kind of is falling into the category of, you know, unlucky uh, hitting the ball right at guys. So uh, so last night he was pretty encouraged with, with how he kind of was able to see some production. And uh, Kike, you know, had a stretch there where he was – he's uh, – He's had a couple of bad games, but he was starting to turn a corner a little bit. Had a few home runs and some doubles to lead off, and um, so yeah, I think I think it's just a little bit of a matter of time with the rest of, with those guys. Obviously, it's been a while, but they also started the season slow last year, and you saw how they ended the year, especially Kike. So um, so yeah, they're they're definitely not uh, going anywhere for the Red Sox. Well, of course, I have to follow that up with asking about Jackie Bradley Jr.'s role on the team. And of course, he's been playing regularly, uh, especially against right-handed starters. Uh, He has picked things up offensively after a a pretty dreadful start. But we in fantasy land, of course, (laughs) we care a lot more uh, about Jaron Duran than we do Jackie Bradley. Uh, I, for one, have been stashing Duran for uh, these couple of months now. So is there good news for those of us who are waiting for Duran to come back to the Major League roster? Uh, probably not unless there's an injury. Jackie's so important defensively, and he's really, honestly, outperformed. You know, I know he's not a fantasy player by any means that you might, you know, pick up for his offense, but he's compared to what he did last year. Um, they are like ecstatic with how he's performing out there, especially at Fenway. Um, he's been he's been very good, one of the better hitters actually at Fenway for the Red Sox, which kind of tells you where the offense is right now. Um, but yeah, I don't see Duran coming up anytime soon unless there's an injury. Um, yeah, the, they've talked a lot about how much they really like that outfield of or Ver, Verdugo, um, Hernandez and, and Bradley kind of anchoring things. So, um, yeah, I can't really envision any, any spot for Duran anytime soon. Uh, but you know, you never know, um, you know, injuries obviously do crop up. COVID is still never going away. So, uh, guys work their way in and we've seen how Franchi Cordero was able to kind of, um, get in the mix here with the Red Sox. So never say never, but, uh, based on just performance and where they're at, I'd say not anytime, you know, in the immediate future. Maybe we can get a little bit more excited about Brian Bellow then, a guy who checked every single box in 33 innings at the AA level this year, gets bumped up to the AAA level, has done 17 innings there so far, and is continuing that box-checking routine. Uh, any indication on when we might see him in a Red Sox uniform? Yeah, they're really trying to be like deliberate with his uh, with his development, and obviously just moved up to AAA, but he's been terrific so far. He's had a little bit, in, I think in the last outing, a little bit of command issue at the end. So he's one of those guys that's kind of going through, um, you know, seeing these lineups and, and turning things over. And um, obviously the strikeouts have been eye-opening. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I think by the end of the season, um, they're, I don't think that they're considering, you know, fast-tracking him after three starts up to the, you know, to the majors, despite where they are with all their issues in the bullpen. Um, but, uh, yeah, we talked to Heimblum uh, earlier this week and, kind of talked it reading between the lines it was more kind of like we want to make sure you know we're not putting everything on these young guys that they have in the minors to kind of carry the team in the majors and, and help them out so they, they like where Bellow's at but um I don't think they're going to be you know pushing him too hard to be the guy that's going to come up and save things but I could definitely see him maybe in September you know getting a shot um in, in uh, seeing where the team is at even 
if they're in it and trying to make a push or even if they're out of it and trying to, you know, get some guys, um, get their feet wet and see where, see what they can handle. Um, but I, I don't, I don't think I would expect him, you know, within the next, you know, month or two up here. Well, we do have one more prospect question here. Uh, I know that there's not going to be any sort of imminent call up for Tristan Casas because he's currently on the minor league IL with an ankle injury. Uh, but do you have an update on his status? Yeah, he's been down for a little while now. I think um, you know, he tried. He he wanted to stay in the game that he he injured that in. It's been a few weeks now, um, and uh, they obviously wanted to play it safe. And the fact that it's been this long is um, I wouldn't say concerning, but it's a little surprising. Um, I think at this point, if he had been healthy, he maybe would have you know gotten a shot. And obviously, um, as I was mentioning, you know, Franchi Cordero was the guy they sort of turned to to kind of get a little more production out of first base, um, which has in turn, I think, fueled Dahlbeck a little bit because he's got competition there now, and he's still not hitting the way he can hit, but he has had a few games where it looks like he's about to break out. So, um, I, I, yeah, it is uh, the 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 injury issue there, the ankle thing um, with, with Casas is something you want to keep an eye on because I think a lot of us were thinking like this June time frame would be when you might start to see him, but since he's missed a, a few weeks now, um, that probably sets things back a little bit. And uh, it, I mean, I don't think it's anything extremely serious, um, but at the same time, it is something that you want to keep an eye on uh, to see, you know, where this is going and why. Why maybe they're they're giving him a little extra time. Um, so yeah, nothing nothing imminent there either. Well, let's close things out here, Jen, with a question about closers, appropriately enough. Uh, just hasn't really had an answer uh, in Boston so far this season. you got Matt Barnes on the aisle. You've got Hansel Robles on the aisle. The team hasn't even had a save in what, almost two weeks here. It's a hat tip to my uh, co-host, Al, who dug that one up. May 21st, the last save for this team. I mean, right now, as it stands, is there any obvious favorite to be a something of a go-to guy in the ninth inning for the Red Sox? Yeah, Matt Strom is their best reliever right now, um, which, you know, is kind of obviously had a very injured past few years. So it's kind of surprising to see him be the guy that's stood out. But yeah, Barnes is on the IL and he's going to be down for a while. Robles, you know, is a guy they'd used a little bit in that spot, but also is on the IL and and probably won't be back for um, at least another week or so. Um, so yeah, Strom has been their, their kind of their go-to high leverage guy. They called up a guy from AAA, John Schreiber, who's, um, filled in, you know, and done really well for them. Um, but obviously, you know, you can't rely too much on, on a guy like that. And even Strom's only, you know, pitched, I think he only pitched like four innings or something last year because he had the knee injury. So he, you're kind of keeping an eye on him too, to make sure they're not pushing him, um, too much. So the... The bullpen is very threadbare at this point, and um, we've been asking, you know, what what they're going to be doing with it. Obviously, they moved Whitlock into the rotation. They are going to be, you know, Chris Sale is working his way back from uh, various injuries at this point. It was was a rib cage, and then it was a non baseball injury that they didn't want to discuss. So now he's um, he's thrown three bullpens this week. He's on the verge of starting a rehab assignment. We're not exactly sure. Um, they're not telling us exactly what role he'll be used in or if him returning will push Whitlock back to the bullpen or if they might even use Sale in the bullpen. Like, they're not they're not talking about that yet. They're kind of just waiting until Sale comes back. But that said, to your, to your original question, the end of games for the Red Sox has been 
you know, a toss up. Like we're never we're never quite sure if they're winning and Strom has been um rested for like a day or so and had they haven't used him three straight days, then they go to him. But otherwise, um it's kind of been a jumble of guys and Schreiber's been in the mix there. Robles when he's healthy. Uh, they've used Austin Davis and Jake Diekman in middle innings, so they're not using them at the end of games. Um, so it's been weird. Uh, Tanner Houck has been in a multi-inning kind of relief role, um, but not really closing out games. So there's really no answer to who saves games for the Red Sox because I don't even know if they know themselves. <laughs> hey, that is, yeah. for so many teams, that is just the reality of baseball in 2022. That is Jen McCaffrey, Boston Red Sox beat writer here at The Athletic. Jen, thanks again for being with us on the Fantasy Baseball Pod. Sure thing, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Rounding third and headed for home on this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast, we turn to our third and final beat writer of the episode, Alec Lewis, who covers the Royals for us at the Athletic. Alec, how's it going, man? It's going. The weather here has <laughs> finally become beautiful. Um, at, at there minimum. you go. Uh, but no, there you thanks. go. You got that. Yeah. You got the Chiefs a couple of months away. Trust me. people. Plenty of things City, to look forward to in Kansas City. Yeah. People in Kansas City are very much <laughs> looking forward to the football season, I can promise you. Um, they were very in tune to... Patrick Mahomes on the match. But no, thank you guys for having me. Um, excited to talk about this team that is the worst in baseball at the moment. Yeah, as, as we are recording this episode, 16-33, and 33, a win percentage uh, worse than a third, a 327 win percentage. So this is a team that is going to be doing some dealing over these next few months as we head into the trade deadline. One player who's probably not included in that is uh, Salvador Perez, who after the monster season last year, leading the league in homers, just has not been there for him this season. Six homers, slashing 187, 227, 355. Is there an answer to what's the deal with Salvador Perez? I've actually tried to find that out the last two days, and the team's been on the road, so only my way of doing that is through telephone, and I've reached out to some people that um, I'm close with just that I, th- I thought would know, and I'm always, people who know me know I'm always searching for the mechanical answer, uh, something of that sort, or, or something mental, and from what it sounds like, I mean, mechanically he's all right beyond just some of the injury stuff he's dealt with to his lower body and to his thumb. I think it, a lot of it is probably he's he's just trying to do so much for this team and this offense that has not been able to produce enough runs. And I think just th- that uh, attempt to overcome uh, by himself has kind of gotten him into a rut. I mean, I, I he's never been the walk-heavy guy. He's never had the greatest plate discipline. But last year, he did so much of his damage on pitches in the heart of the plate and right now, I think his zone contact percentage is way, way low, and I think the lowest of his career. And so, I, again, I don't know if that's swinging too hard. I can't quite put a finger on it. Um, but it's been kind of wild to see this season, considering last year, obviously, but even 2020, he was fantastic. Um, so uh, it, it we'll keep tabs on it continuously. Uh, that's an interesting tidbit about the zone contact percentage. Yeah, uh, just under 78%. 
that is pretty abysmal. So uh, yeah, be we're, we're all interested in finding out what the answers are uh, to that question. And we are also all really, really interested in finding out what gives with not calling up Vinny Pasquantino yet. Uh, it comes up on pretty much every episode of this podcast, whether it's the, the prospects discussion or waivers discussion. We're all waiting for that call up. Is there any reason given or any update on when we might be able to expect him? The club has given about seven different reasons, um, which is hard to really pinpoint. I mean, there have been conversations about there's a pitch that's given him trouble, but there wasn't specifics to that pitch. There was a uh, uh, reason being that, that Carlos Santana is they're, they're attempting to uh, see if he can get hot so that they can trade him, even though his contract is what it is, and he's 36 years old. And I guess that's probably uh, the reality right now is they are still holding out hope that Carlos Santana, who has struggled mightily in recent years, uh, just kind of flips the script in the next few weeks, a la Jorge Soler last year. The difference is Jorge Soler was about seven years younger um, with the track record of 48 home run season. So I think with Vinny, it's a matter of once they can part, decide to part with Carlos Santana via trade or probably much more likely via DFA and paying him the money he is owed, Vinny w- will be up. But, I mean, you talk to anybody. I've had analysts send over Vinny's batted ball data, which is all above the 75th percentile in minor league baseball. I mean, he's got an average exit below of 115.3. Excuse me, not average. Max exit below of 115.3. Average exit below of 91. I mean, he's he's done everything you could possibly do. He's almost walking as much as he's striking out. So, it's a question that is – it's seemingly been very hard for them to answer. It's hard for me to answer. I'm not really sure how much longer this can go on with him not being up because he's obviously uh, I mean, he's proven that he's ready. It's just kind of about time. Someone who is with the team and getting a little bit of uh, an opportunity right now, Emmanuel Rivera. He's got four homers in 88 plate appearances, just showing a little bit of pop, certainly enough pop that if he had a consistent line on playing time, he would be someone who is of interest in the fantasy world. No Michael Taylor on the COVID list. He's a regular for this team, at least before COVID. Can Rivera carve out enough playing time, even when Taylor is back, for us to be interested in him in the fantasy world? I think so. I think they're committed. They've They've liked what they've seen from him. Going back to last spring spring of 21 i remember hearing about some of the hard hit balls on the backfields and even in spring training games he's obviously as you mentioned michael gotten run um of late in these last few weeks and he's taken advantage of it defensively he's looked fine enough and went with how much they care about the defense in the infield behind these young pitchers um i really do think he will continue to get playing time as you mentioned it'll get interesting when Michael A. Taylor is back, also Edward Olivares, who had performed pretty well, really well actually compared to the other hitters in the lineup before his injury, um, he might be another guy who, who, who buys for time in the outfield, which might shift things around. But I, I think with the way things are set up and the way this Royals team is trending, young players will be playing a lot, and I think Emmanuel Rivera uh, will be one of them. All right. Well, a uh, player who's back been back up with the team for a little while, Brady Singer, pitching extraordinarily well since his call-up, and that's made him one of the most added players in fantasy right now. 
uh, is this something that you think is sustainable? I just took and look, I've, I've uh, in fact, I said on a recent episode, I'm all about this for Brady Singer because it's for me, it's just validating everything I thought would happen with him this season. But yet, when you look at the last couple of starts, he's not really getting a lot of swing and miss. He's not really getting chases outside the zone. So is this a little bit of smoke and mirror so far for Singer or uh, are you, are you encouraged? I've, I definitely encouraged because he's throwing his change up finally. Uh, and though it's not, I mean, I have talked to the scouts and they're, they're like, it's not some plus pitch, but I think it just adds another layer to what the hitter has to think of when they're facing him. So I, I think it's not totally smoking mirrors, but from the beginning in his first start, when he had as much success as he had, it was the best Royal start of the year. Um, I, I just I knew you just have to see more. Uh, you have to see more of it. Have to see sustainability with it. Um, I mentioned this, but on Friday night he'll be facing the the Houston Astros in that lineup, and I think it'll be another good test. So we'll see. But he's he has an interesting mix. I don't think he's ever going to be the ultimate strikeout guy, uh, but his sinker is very interesting in that it can run at the bottom of the zone and kind of carry at the top. And it, it I've had certain people with the team tell me that it it kind of bucks some of the models and, and how they would view the pitch. So um, we'll see. It's, he's, he's a guy with the ultimate uh, competitiveness. I think he's very motivated considering they started him in the bullpen and they optioned him early in the season. I think he's just motivated to prove uh, everybody that he is the first-round pick type of talent that, that they selected. So uh, we'll see. I, again, as much sample size as possible really for me is what I want to lean on with with him as a young pitcher and really all these rows young pitchers. All right, we started this episode with a team that is going to be an obvious seller over the for next couple of months in the Chicago Cubs. We end it with a team that is going to be an obvious seller with the Royals, and we end this uh, line of questioning with a guy who it seems would likely be on his way out, and that is Scott Barlow. We talked about this with Sahadev and the Cubs. David Robertson pitching very well. Closers are high commodities at the deadline. He's going to get moved. Can we say that as simply about Scott Barlow as well? No, because of the Kansas City Royals, and they tend to stick with the guys that they have found success with. I mean, Scott Barlow was a six-year minor league free agent. The Royals pinpointed him. Uh, he had been let go from the Dodger system, become a free agent from the Dodger system. They, they pinpointed him. He had been a starter. He, he became a reliever. He's had so much success uh, in the past three years. I think I looked at this today, but on fan, per, per Fangraph's war – I think he's got the 12th most war among relievers in the past three years. Uh, he's been very durable, but his velocity is down this year, and, and uh, he's leaned heavily on his breaking ball usage, but I think his, his um, other teams are attentive to that. In terms of if he's an obvious trade piece, I think with the way this season is trended, he probably should be, but again, the Royals, uh, they often stick with their guys, and if they – I mean, they said all along, they've said all along that this was a, the, a year at which they would creep closer contention. The next year would kind of be full throttle. And if they still believe that and they, they still feel as if that's their timeline, they could hold on to a guy who uh, I believe will have two arbitration seasons left. Very interesting to look at this team and who is still going to be there, who is not going to be there after the trade deadline. Alec, as my uh, podcast schedule can attest, football season, it's right around the corner. So soon enough in Kansas City, it's going to be all Patrick Mahomes. We can take a look at this, what this offense is going to be like without Tyreek Hill and Juju in town and MVS. It's going to be a new look. It's going to be a new look for the first time in this uh, Patrick Mahomes era. So that's going to be fun. 
I've got friends ask me all about it. Um, like, look, I'm, I, I do baseball, but I understand your line of questioning. No, it will be, it'll be interesting. Football here. I mean, it's, it's. I, I grew up in Alabama. Football is what I. It, it is what it is. So, um, no, we shall, we shall see. But it will also be interesting to see who the Royals part with ahead of the deadline, given some of the options. I mean, Andrew Benatendi and Whit Merrifield, as always. So we'll, we shall see. We shall see indeed, and if you want to be following along with that, do that with Alec Lewis, our Royals beat writer here at The Athletic. Alec, thanks again for being with us on the Fantasy Baseball Pod. Of course. Thank you guys for having me. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Fantasy Baseball Podcast as well. So for all of our beat writers who joined us, Alec Lewis, Jen McCaffrey, and Sahadev Sharma, and for my co-host, Al Melchior, I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. The show returns tomorrow, Friday, Alan DVR, taking a look at the waiver wire for you. So be sure to listen to that and have yourselves a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon.